Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. All right mi gente, so you know what time it is. It is our interview episode for the week. And I am so honored to introduce all of you to the one and only Legal Miga, who is also known as Taylor Tiemann. And she just focuses so much, not only in the professional setting, but even as just an awesome Amiga, helping small business owners, specifically from our Latinx community, just like strive and build to have the best legal support possible. Now, I'm so excited for all of you to hear this episode. And we're going to go ahead and start it off with Taylor just giving us some background on how her higher education experience was and how it led her to law school. Yeah, I'll give just like a broad overview of education background. Um, I went to college at the University of Pennsylvania. That's in Philadelphia. Um, I was aiming to go to college and play softball somewhere. So I'm really happy and grateful that I landed at a awesome Ivy league school. That was my mom's goal. She was like trying to get me into an Ivy league. So we did it with softball. Um, I majored in communications and well, first I majored in poli sci and then that was a lot of reading because we were doing a lot of traveling for games and stuff, but it's ironic because in law school, all you do is read, but whatever, I switched over to communications and I absolutely loved that major. Um, so I majored in communications at UPenn and then I came home. I knew I wanted to go to law school, but I took a year break between law school and, or excuse me, undergrad and law school to work and work in a law firm to make sure I really wanted to go to law school. Um, so I took that year break, but then I ended up applying and I went to Southwestern Law School here in Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles right now. And that was when I graduated. 2015, I think. So I've been an attorney for, I just hit my five-year mark. So I've been an attorney for five years. You played softball. And at least in my experience during my undergrad years, uh, I remember specifically during my orientation, um, this is a little cheese, but during my orientation, there was a student that rose their hand to ask the professor, what is the best way for me to network? And the reason why that question was asked was because the professor had spent 10 minutes pretty much preaching to all of us. Like it was the auditorium was filled with 200 of us. Um, they were saying like, hey, you need to make sure you network. You get in all these labs because if you want to go to a grad school or law school right after and you don't network and get into these labs, then you're not going to get in. So then that's when the student asked, hey, how can I like do that if I'm an athlete? And I have all this time that I put into sports, so I can't necessarily just be going to office hours all the time. And the professor straight out was just like, I'm sorry, you're just not going to go to grad school then if you can't network with professors and whatnot. So Taylor, what is your feedback on that? How did you go about like making it happen for yourself as an athlete in undergrad? Oh my gosh. I literally, I can't even imagine if somebody said that to me. There, There is... I find that networking is super, super important. Um, but I don't know that I would necessarily say that you, it, you're not going to get into grad school if you don't do it. 
or if you don't do it right, because I definitely didn't learn how to like properly network even, I guess, if you want to call it that until law school. So I got into law school without really knowing how to network. Um, but yeah, I would like, there's definitely a process to any type of grad school that you're looking into. So I like my main, suggestion, I guess, and what I found to be super helpful was just finding somebody that had gone through the process themselves and just like asking them questions. So I had a friend that I had played on a softball team with who went to law school. She was like three years ahead of me. So when I was applying, I was, I like went back to our Facebook messages. I was like harassing her. I feel so bad. I was asking her so many questions. Um, my parents were willing to like support me, um, with, um, the LSAT and, and uh, some prep courses, but like, they were just kind of like, well, we don't really know what we're doing, but we know that you need a prep course, but there's still all these, so many other things that go into it. Like we're talking about rec letters and like making sure your GPA, like my GPA was not aligned with what it had should have been for the schools I wanted to go to. So there's like a, there's definitely a process that goes along with all of it. So I think what I found most helpful was at the time, just finding someone who had gone through it already maybe not somebody who went to grad school like 20 or 30 years ago, cause it does change, but like somebody who would maybe is like within that three to five year mark that is out of it enough that they have enough suggestions for you to be like, don't forget about this or like, make sure you have this covered. Um, but yeah, that it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely well, a lot. Of course, of course. And well, I'm glad you're highlighting that. Cause it's true. Like I know a lot of the times people will see us like high a lot of the times people will see us highlighting like ourselves in our grad school get up or like or graduation anyways. And it looks like we're glamorizing the process of getting into grad school, getting our acceptance letters, well, in your case, also law school, and then graduating. Those are the highlighted, but there is so much that goes into it, which is why we feel so proud when we finally receive that um, higher ed degree and whatnot. Now, I wanted to ask what kind of letters, like what kind of people did you go towards to get those letters? I asked my softball coach for my undergrad. Um, I asked, I believe I asked my softball, like the head coach and then one of our assistant coaches. Um, the assistant coach, I believe I asked him because he was like a higher up at something at Penn. So I thought that would look good, but I don't know if that's necessarily the best advice. <laughs> but I, what I would say is when what I've heard since requesting rec letters a very long time ago. Um, I also asked a professor in a class that I took that was like a 20 person class. So she like knew who I was. Um, she had worked with me like one-on-one -on -one before asking people that really know you, I think is a better idea than asking someone who maybe might have a better like resume or might have like, so like a doctorate attached to their name, just because if they don't really know you, they're not always going to be able to advocate for you in a way in a rec letter that maybe somebody who like really, really knows you and likes you might be able to. Um, and that's kind of what I've heard is like asking people that know you and have worked with you and know you well, because people get asked for rec letters like all of the time. Um, and they probably like, I've only done a couple cause I'm not even like a professor, but I've only done a couple, but I really love writing about people that like, I actually know I've never had anybody. I don't know. Ask me, but like people that, you know, you want to help out. No, of course. And I like the fact that you brought 
that you've also written letters of references before? Because since you are a lawyer, could you technically write a letter of reference for someone applying to law school? I think I can. I don't remember what the standards are for law school, but I think I wrote one for somebody that I had worked with that was either applying to law school or applying for a job somewhere. I'm not sure. I think I can, if I've worked with them, I think it depends on what the standard is. Like if they're asking for someone that you've actually like worked with or that somebody like that kind of knows you personally. Um, I'm not really sure, but I mean, I do it for people that I've worked with and I am totally open to it. Cause I think it's, it's really important to have that, um, and do that. Cause like I asked people at one point, so I would love to be able to offer that to people if it would be beneficial to them. No, of course. And I love that. Now, something else that I thought was super awesome was when you started law school, you had to mention that that's when your mom went back to school. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, my, um, I was, I was the first lawyer in our family. Um, and so like, I kind of navigated that process with like assistance from like my parents just doing what they could and like me researching and me asking like people that had gone to law school. So that was really tough. Um, but the reason why my mom was like so gung ho was because she hadn't finished college. She didn't finish college whenever she went, I don't even know what the years were, but she didn't finish. Um, both my brother and I finished, went to college um, I went to law school and like right around that time, she was like, Hey, I want to finish college. Cause she was the only one in the family that didn't have the college degree. My dad did go to and finish college. Um, so she, and we ended up graduating at the same time. Like I graduated law school the same like month that she graduated college. So that was really like, she, I, I, it was awesome to finish law school, but like she was, I think more excited to graduate college. <laughs> which I'm so happy for her. Um, and she was like really stoked about it. Cause it's also such a different experience. Like when you are older and can like value, I think a little bit more of like, all right, I'm going back and doing it. Um, and she was like friends with everybody that was like our age. And it was like, it was really fun for her. It was awesome to watch her be able to do that. And I know you, and by the way, mi gente, I know I keep saying I know you because we we talked a lot about this stuff backstage as I know <laughs> I tend to like mention, hey, we already talked about this, but I want you to talk about it again. Anyways, so um, you had mentioned to me previously that you went, when you were starting law school, you were living at home and well, mm -hmm. your mom's at home. Did, did both mm -hmm. of you ever study and do homework together? Go on coffee <laughs> dates? Oh my gosh. We, we did a couple times my last year of law school and her last year of undergrad. Um, because the, at, at the last year of law school, it was a little less stressful for me because I was in classes that I had like chosen and you're kind of, you're not like coasting, but it's the first year is like the, the most stressful. So I was like, okay, I'm open to studying with people and I don't have to be at the library. So me and my mom did study, um, at some coffee shops together, but yeah, but I think we did that like a couple of times, but she is like, so ADD sometimes she'd be like, you want coffee? You want some food? You want both? <laughs> I was like, maybe we should go back home. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cute. Yeah. My, one of my best friends from undergrad, she went to business school the same time that I was in law school. So she, we would like study sometimes together. 
but it was funny because she was the one that was like very intense with studying in undergrad and I was always distracting her. And then like the roles kind of flipped (laughs) where she was like kind of just cruising with her last year of business school. And I was like very intense on law school and stuff. But yeah, it was really fun to like study and kind of be in a school setting. Um, For me personally, when I was able to enjoy it a little bit more because undergrad was a little hard to get like work done and softball and games and practice and all that stuff. So it was a little bit more fun to like do it a second time around. No, of course. And like, wow, you definitely have a diverse skills. Not only were you an athlete, but you got your degrees, which was really awesome. Now, we all know that being a lawyer, it's a lot of work. Like anything is a lot of work, but I just feel like the legal field is just so much work. So I know you behind the scenes were telling me a couple of areas of law you were looking into, but the one that really caught my attention that I hope that you can like dissect a little bit was transactional law. So if you could Mm -hmm. please talk about that. And if you also feel like you want to talk a little bit about the other areas that led you to transactional, feel free to do that too. Yeah. So I like right now, my law practice, I am considered transactional. So transactional is basically just like what a lot of people think of lawyers, like paper pushers, like you're literally just, filing documents, drafting, reviewing documents, which I love that stuff, but people find it very boring. Um, that's like more transactional where you're preparing legal documents and things to have in place just so that everybody's like happy and protected. Um, but litigation is, and this is something I didn't even learn until law school, which probably should have learned ahead of time, but litigation is when you have now like filed a dispute, somebody's mad, there's a lawsuit happening. So there's two parties fighting each other. So now you're like relying on those original documents, hopefully being well-written. Um, you're relying on like rules and statutes and stuff. So I initially wanted to do transactional law. That was my goal. I wanted to be like working on contracts and I initially wanted to be in entertainment of some sort, but I was just not able to get a job in transactional after law school. It was really hard, very, very competitive. I didn't have enough of whatever the experience they were looking for. I don't know if I didn't like to know the right people, but um, I was in litigation for a while and just like could not, it just was not for me. It's just a lot of, um, it's a lot of people that are very good at it. And I was good at what I was doing, but I just was like not enjoying um that aspect of the law. So I came back into transactional because this is so much more fun for me. Even though it might not look like fun, it's so much more fun for me to be able to just like sit here with documents and file things for people. No, of course. And well, let me just tell you, based on your Instagram and your brand, Legal Miga, you do make it look like fun being a lawyer. I'm just saying, if you're not following her yet on Instagram, Legal Miga, definitely do so because I can, and we're going to get into that soon. I learned a lot from her and it's because she finds a way to make the law like fun to understand just the way she does it. And she talks, I mean, I can already tell that you're enjoying the way she's speaking because, well, you're still listening. Now (laughs) I wanted to touch bases on, you had mentioned that the areas of laws that you were looking into, it was really hard to get a job into it. And you were just, you know, getting a little like tired of just like getting your rejections and whatnot. So based on all that, would you say that you pretty much created your own opportunity with Legal Miga since you were seeing the other opportunities were just being pains in the butts? Yeah, kind of. Like looking back on it, like, yes, absolutely. Um, But I think it's really like for me, I was just trying to find a way. Well, I guess, yeah, you're like creating your own door for yourself. 
um, I got like so close. Like I was finally, I thought I had like interviewed with someone who was like going to be ready to take me on, even though I didn't have all the like transactional experience that I needed. And she was like, sorry, we just need somebody with a little bit more experience. And I was already so like happy to just be switching over but I was like, I can't stop now. I just, I just gotta do it myself because I was like so relieved from going just the thought of going from litigation to transactional, finally like working with people who I wanted to work with, like working with like creatives that I wanted to be working with. I was just so excited. I was like, well, I'll just do it on my own if I have to. Um, so yeah, I guess. That's no, of course. And I really admire you and your brand for, for that because it's like, well, for me, my podcast, it's like my fun, my, it's like my fun self-care time that I also hope one day I can make a pretty good income with since I'm going towards my doctor in education. So that's another five years. But I know for me, like when I first found out about podcasting, I was doing what I could because I really wanted to talk about higher education on a podcast, like so bad. Basically what I'm doing right now with Cafecito con Estreita. But every time I would try to reach out to a podcast, host or I would try to like like get on a panel at like events that I used to go to before the pandemic back in LA and before I came to grad school over here in this area where I'm at people were just saying no and I was like but higher education is important I know there are so many first-gen people and I think I would be really fun to interview on a podcast but of course you know you have to respect people and their brands and their boundaries so I would not take it personal, but it would hurt a little bit in the beginning, if that makes sense. So then once the pandemic happened, well, I actually had started thinking about it in 2019, I should just make my own podcast. And then once pandemic hit May 2020, that's when the podcast started. And that's where everything that I pretty much just told you and this podcast pretty much highlights was created. Because sometimes no matter how much you try, no matter how much like, I bet you, you did have enough experience. It's just sometimes it's just not enough. And that's okay. Because other people just have different needs and wants for their type of brand. So then you just got to make it happen for yourself. And if, if you ask me, I think it was such a great move for you. Because just just look how much you've accomplished. And you're continuing to accomplish, you know? Yeah, it's been really fun. And sometimes, like, and probably, just, I mean, well, you, you knew that you wanted to, like, share a certain message. Like, I didn't even know that I wanted to be... Um, share any sort of like message I just wanted to be able to like help people but in turn like at the same time like I've had a lot of um Latinas that are looking to go into law school that are just like hey can I ask you questions and I'm like yes absolutely and it's like you realize like there's not even a lot of us out there so like they see one and they're like oh my gosh like can I talk to you because I have all these questions and I'm like you know just even being having my own firm and helping like businesses there's like this whole other side of it where it's like you're able to be an example for someone that uh, with you weren't existing like they wouldn't see you and they would maybe not even know that that was like an option so it's been like it's there's like so many cool things that have come along with it so congratulations on the podcast because there's going to be like so many other things that (laughs) come along with it that are aside from just what you originally wanted to do. It's like so crazy just when you like put yourself out there. No, of course. And congrats on you too. Like, and I watch your growth. You're already at over 6,000 followers. So you're doing something right. People are learning from you in a fun way. Now I I'm just asking out of curiosity. So with your brand legal, legal Miga, um, and I know I also asked you if you would ever write letters of Rex, will there ever be a point where Liga Miga will like, 
accept like interns during their undergrad. So you can kind of get to know them like virtually or whichever way you want. So you can help with letters there. Yeah. So I actually am bringing on a legal intern in the spring, I think. I don't know what, if you guys call your spring semester. I don't even Our know. Quarter. She's coming soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, literally like just, and this is what I really, I wasn't really even necessarily looking for one, but um, I know I have enough work to do. I just, I'm so perfectionist that I wanted to like have a, an outline of like what they would handle and I was ready, but somebody just reached out to me and she was like, Hey, if you need help, like I can get school credit. And I'm like, Whoa, really? Like, this would be so cool. So we're bringing on, we, me, I'm bringing on a legal intern. Um, and I'm really excited to like, see how that works out. She's awesome. I just want to make sure that like, I can get myself organized together. Yeah. But that's like, that's ultimately the goal is to be able to, um, I'm still kind of figuring that out because I do love like the very one-on-one personal connection that I have with clients. So I don't know if, and when I'm ever going to be able to like bring on a whole nother attorney and hand over clients like completely. Um, but that might be something that's down the line, but yeah, I'm definitely bringing on intern one and potentially interns um, just to like, cause I didn't even, I never even thought of opening my own firm. I just was kind of like found my way into it and I never even wanted to actually, but had I maybe worked for someone that I saw that like, you know, it's a one person show and look how cool like their clients are. Like I maybe would have done it. So being able to give that experience to someone, like I'm really excited just to be like, this is how it happens. <laughs> oh, of course. And I love that you're opening up more and more to like, you know, accept interns and maybe in the future, another lawyer, because if it's only you right now and everything Legal Mega is providing, which is super awesome. Imagine when you start to slowly keep adding your team. But of course, like I also completely understand. I know there's other people that can too. Your, your brand is your baby. It's like, you got to make sure like, Hey, you know, I got to keep it fed. I, I, I know how to take care of it. How do I know I can take care of it? That you can take care of it the same. It's kind of like mm-hmm. when mom's are hesitant about like, should I leave my yeah. hijo con la suegra? <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. And my mom is that mom that like never left us with anyone. So I'm probably just passing this down onto myself. <laughs> now can, I keep saying legal miga, legal miga. So go ahead and can you like share more of what legal miga is, what you offer and all that good stuff? Yeah, for sure. So initially legal miga was only supposed to be like the, descriptor, I guess, for my legal services membership. So I call it, I have two aspects of the business. Well, technically there's like two businesses happening. I have my law firm with legal services where I have one-on-one clients where it's me as an attorney. And then I have a um, separate educational platform for small business owners where it's called the Legal Legal Library. So it is a little confusing. Um, so that's more like do it yourself, like templates, courses, et cetera. But within my law firm, I do offer um, subscription based legal services. So instead of like having to hire an attorney um, and pay them like a ridiculous amount per hour, like every time you talk to them, most of my clients are on a monthly style membership where they pay like an upfront monthly fee and they are able to talk to me for 30 minutes for the month. They're able to email me as much as they want. 
Um, and it's easier for me for billing purposes and it's easier for them because they don't have to like schedule calls and like pay every single time and like pay ridiculous amounts. So that aspect of the law, uh, the law firm that was initially called the legal mega membership, but then that name kind of like people really liked it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll start using it. So I'm kind of like mixing it around with what it's being used for. So sometimes it's a little confusing, but I ideally want like that brand to grow, whether it's both for law firm and for like educational tools. Um, I'm still also navigating like, which like I'm still working on both of those and figuring both of those things out, (laughs) but it's been like really, really fun to just like, I think I, I changed my Instagram handle when people started remembering legal mega instead of my name. So (laughs) I just changed it because it's easier to remember. No. Yeah. And it's definitely super catchy. How, how were your parents went, not even how, like I can already tell they were probably super supportive just because, you know, you've also mentioned they were supportive of you going to law school, but like you making your own business, like how was that for them? I think they were like very openly supportive, but I know that they were concerned because I mean, I like stopped working at a law firm that has steady clients and was paying me a salary. So I think they were like, are you going to be able to, you know, make your own money? <laughs> so I think they were like, Oh yeah. Cause I, I ended my, um, my position with my other firm and my parents were like, okay, so like, where are you going to start looking? And my mom would like send me listings and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And she was like, okay, she was supportive. But I think like questioning as any normal parent would, because I was asking myself the same questions. But once I was able to kind of show them like, no, look, I have this many clients, like, you know, and my mom helped. My mom is like basically my personal business assistant with like Christmas presents and stuff. And she's like, Oh my gosh, you have this many clients. I'm like, yes, I told you. <laughs> like I'm, I know I work from home, but like I have clients and this is a successful business. So yeah, they like started realizing it along the way. Um, and they're super, um, they're of course they're like super supportive and proud, but it was, it's a it, trying to tell any parent or any like person that you're like going to start your own business every there's always concerns because if there was no concerns, then that wouldn't be good either. (laughs) No, of course. And honestly, I'm going to just say it flat out. I feel like the only reason that my parents are like, oh, Estrella is doing this podcast, putting so much time into it is just because I'm still a grad student. (laughs) Does that make sense? So they're just Mm -hmm. like, okay, but I guarantee you a hundred percent. If I was solely just focusing on the podcast full time and maybe just like, you know, a small part-time job, like at the diner I have right now, they would be like, what? what you know and it's funny that you bring that up because literally last night I was on TikTok and I saw (laughs) I saw that I guess they're called TikTokers right I think so I don't even use it (laughs) (laughs) so there was this TikToker that was literally like she looked around like my age and she was like and she's like mom dad I'm starting a business and parents are like cool where's the money what, 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 why is it taking so much time? What are the clients? Look, I'm sending you all these job applications. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know it was like, it was literally like that for a little bit. Um, because I also, I mean, I've worked virtually from home for a while. Like my old law firm, I worked from home. So even like my parents didn't really understand how that worked because 
when they like when they worked, my dad works in an office still. My mom works at a school. Um, so they work in person. So the idea of working virtually was a little strange to them. So they were like, wait, you work from a law firm from home. And then when I was like, oh, I'm going to do this on my own from home. I think they were just very like, what is happening? <laughs> no, of course. And what's it called? Did those conversations take time for you to build up and be like, look, this is how it's going. Yeah. Um, I would, it definitely took a good, I would say probably like maybe six to eight months into me having a, my own business. Like it's, this happens with everybody. I don't want to like make my parents sound bad, but it really just comes down to like when they see numbers or like when they see like actual clients, like I think my first round of Christmas gifts was my mom was like, Oh my gosh, you have clients. Like, Oh, you have this many clients. Like, Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Cause I don't really talk. Like I can't say who my clients are and who I work with unless they say it first. So that makes it hard too. But then they, she sees like, Oh, you're sending out to this many people like, oh, okay, you have clients or like I was able to like pay my bills and wasn't asking for any help. And my parents were like, Oh, how are you paying your rent? Oh, okay. I guess you're making money. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And I love the honesty too. Cause okay. The only numbers my mom is able to see because she's 800 miles away right now <laughs> is literally my Instagram numbers. So she's mm-hmm. so funny because she's like, stay up. I monitor yesterday you were at 2000 now you're at 2010 (laughs) yeah and it's funny because that's just like their validation for us and mainly for themselves because I mean I'm not a parent I don't know if I'll ever be not not to sound like you know but it's true I really don't know but I just feel or I I can empathize with parents that it's like they just they'll support their children as long as they're like seeing benefits for their children that they're like, okay, I I can see it. You know, Mm -hmm. what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. I would be the same way too. Like I, you know, you have to also ask yourself those questions because if you're, you know, starting, you have to be realistic. Like we all want to be super motivational with each other and just be like, just go do it, go after your dream. But you also have to be like realistic with stuff. Like, you know, are we making money? Are we progressing a little bit? Like, what is it? Can we do? Can we adjust and make things better? Like my first couple months in business, I was not, I was making enough to like break even with some of the other things I would needed to pay for, like insurance and stuff like that. Um, but I was like being realistic with myself, like, you know, I'm seeing minimal improvement. Like I'm adding a little bit more clients here and there, but you have to, you know, we have to be realistic too. So I think they're just trying to make sure that we aren't like, in a dream cloud somewhere, but (laughs) no, of course. And I feel like it's important for our first gen hinted to know, like not only be realistic with your own brand, if that's something for you to look into, that could be a business like Taylor has, or just a brand like my podcast or YouTube channel, et cetera, but also be realistic with yourself when you're pursuing a higher education degree. Cause I can't lie. Although I love higher education, it's a very, very tough route. Like, especially because you see a lot of the times that people will like own their houses because, you know, right now in the Latinx community, having your own house is like the biggest success. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times you'll probably get that success sooner if you don't go to college and just work really hard and grind at whatever nine to five you're able to gain. But then at the same time, it's like, 
but college may be for you, but it's also like you really just have to think about it. And it can be a lot to ask for an 18-year-old, but then at the same time, it's like you could always start at community college and then just like decide from there because it's two years, lesser pay, and I mean like lesser tuition fees and all that stuff. Like what do you think of that, Taylor? Yeah, I think that deciding like I even know a lot of people that were going straight from college into grad school and I really, really, like, if somebody asks me if they should do that, I'm very, like, you know, maybe go work in that field and make sure that you like it. But the reason I say that specifically for legal is because I went and worked at a law firm that they only, they hired people knowing that they ultimately wanted to go to law school. So they gave them a very good opportunity as a legal assistant to see, like, what do you actually do? Uh, and, like, how does this work? Like, how does the administrative part work? And like half of those assistants, like did not want to go to law school anymore after that. And half of them were like, I'm still down with this. I'm going to go apply to law school. So I think that applies in like everywhere. You know, if we think we kind of know how something works, it's still a really good idea to like check it out, maybe shadow, like if you are able to go work in that field. I think it's just a really good idea and you can kind of try to avoid that. Like, you know, a lot of people switch careers and go back and forth in industries um, I just think that's a really good idea if, if it's, if it's available to you before you like jump into something, just cause you never know if you could like really hate something or like love it even more. No, of course, definitely. And I love, I really love how you gave that example as to for yourself. You also took that year to work and just really finalize for yourself. Cause it's better to just like, you know, figure out if you can, cause there's, there's really no rush. Life is just so long, but yet it's so short, you know? So it doesn't hurt to like check things out and whatnot. Now, Taylor, it looks like our episode is coming to an end. So before we go, I'm going to fully give the mic to you. So I'll, I'll be quiet. And I want you to go ahead and just share where people can find you. And if you have any last thoughts that you can give to our first gen gente, whatever you want to do, it's this is this episode's literally for you. Okay, I want to back up a little bit because... I think that you said your podcast isn't a business. You said it's more of a brand, but I want to okay. urge you to think of it like a business because podcasts are, I think we've talked about this before. Podcasts are literally like all the things about a business, like wrapped into one little box that you're doing basically all the same stuff a business is doing. Like you're branding things. You're essentially like you're offering a service to people. So that's what I'm going to tell you. And that's what I'm going to tell everyone. Even if you have like a side hustle, if you're thinking about a side hustle, like don't let other people's perceptions of like, oh, that's like your little business or like your little side thing. Like you're putting a lot of time and energy into something. Um, call it a business. You know, a lot of people are like, I have three businesses and that's accurate. It took me a very long time to be like, I have two, I have technically have two businesses and in my head, they're one because I'm just doing everything all the time for both. But like, I have two businesses, you know, people have like two, three, four businesses, and they're all doing really cool things. So that's what I would add to that. Thank <laughs> you. All right. Now go on, Taylor, continue. Um, oh, what was I going to say? You can find me. I'm on Instagram a lot. So my handle is at legalmega, L-E-G-A-L-M-I-G-A. Um, and then my website's just www.ttmanlaw.com. So that's T-T-I-E-M-A-N-Law, 
gmail.com. But I am on Instagram all the time and I do, my DMs are open. Sometimes I take a little longer to message back now, but (laughs) they are open. You can feel free to message. Yep. It's a struggle for sure, but I mean, people love it. So it's all good. All right, Mijente, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to comment and subscribe to the podcast and I'll see you next week.